Hey Highland, welcome to the Highland Church Podcast. My name is Matt Benson. We're here with David Sessions. Hello Highland. Hello. And also, we're here with one of our newest elders, Terry Cagle. Welcome Terry. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry that I cannot stop coughing. That's okay. It's okay. You're welcome here. Thank you. All of your imperfections. Just just that one, so (laughs) if we can get past that, we'll be good. Terry, thanks for joining us. Oh, you bet. Um, we have been kind of asking people to share their God stories and, uh, you're, you've been brave enough to, to come and, uh, be willing to share that with us. So, um, do you want to, how do you, do you want to phrase the question? How are we doing this? <clears throat> yeah. I mean, do you want to, uh, do, well, I mean, we've kind of done this at the beginning. I can't lean that far away from the microphone. Um, we've kind of done this at the beginning of each one, but kind of just real quickly reframe yeah. Andrew Root and how we, why we decided yeah. to do this. Yeah, so um, Highland staff was really lucky at the end of last year to get to spend a day with Andrew Root, who's a Christian author. Yes. Uh, and he's written a lot about youth ministry, and he's written a lot about um, kind of how churches are now functioning in uh, what some people call the secular age that we find our in, or... Um, it's really hard to find any connection to any sort of divinity in any part of our lives. And one thing that he shared with us that was really a pretty transformational part of his research for one of his books was he went around the country and asking, asked people to just share, do you have a story of a time you were certain God met you, God acted, um, God was moving in your life, and maybe you can't even explain why. And so he talked about how that is better than lecturing people about secular secularity and how we're dividing less and less of our lives, devoting less and less of our lives to, to God or divinity. The best thing is actually to ask people how God showed up and they can't deny it, even if they're kind of embarrassed to, to share it sometimes. So, um, yeah, you got any of those? I have got a few. Okay. What's your favorite one? Well, my favorite one is probably back in college days. Okay. Uh, for, well, Becky went three summers. I went two summers on a thing called Western States Outreach, hmm. where we would uh, go on a campaign for the summer with 26 students, and we would go to a place for a month at a time. Hmm. And we would literally go out cold call knocking on doors, trying to tell people about Jesus. Hmm. The the biggest prayer, the most, the biggest prayer, the most frequent prayer was, Lord, please let nobody be home. Right. (laughs) (laughs) After you knock on the door. (laughs) Uh, Because it was, you know, and it was against my nature. Yeah. You know, uh, Becky was probably a lot better at it than I am because she is uh, very much a people person very much a, an extrovert. I'm more of an introvert. Uh, so we were in Redwood City, California. Uh, and it was the last week. And one of the guys on our team prayed just an outrageous prayer. Mm-hmm. And we would get together every morning and pray before we would go out. And he, it was Friday. Mm-hmm. We were leaving the following day. Uh, and he prayed that we would, earlier in the week, he had prayed. No, I'm, I'm messing up the days. So early in the week, he prayed that we would have 
I think, seven baptisms during the week. <laughs> and so we are going, dude, that's mission impossible. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking in my yeah. head. You know, because we'll do good if we can actually talk to have seven great conversations right. during the week with someone. And so uh, he had prayed that early on in the week. And as the week went by, you know, there were not baptisms happening. Right. You weren't on pace. Uh, we were not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, but then, amazingly, in the middle of the week, if I'm remembering this correctly, I might be improving my lie. Here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but <clears throat> there was a couple of baptisms. And mm. then on Friday night, after we had had this get-together and stuff, we had the seventh baptism. Mm. And for me, at that point, in my faith development especially, it was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. This is, a, God did this. Hmm. You know, because we were, I mean, we were very excited about Jesus and telling people about it, but we weren't really good at what you would say, closing the cell. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know, we just wanted to talk to people about Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that seventh baptism happened, and it was. Like even even as I'm saying this right now, I get chills. Yeah. Hmm. Because that was like, wow. Hmm. God showed up. Yeah. And so that's and I was you know what, twenty years old. Yeah. Uh, and I think about that still. How do you think looking back on that now? Um, you know, ten years later. Uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> uh, how do you how do you see that forming you? I think it made me have a lot more faith mm -hmm. in the fact that God is ever present. Hmm. Has that looking like a you've walked through times? I'm sure, as we heard a communion a few weeks ago that have been difficult mm -hmm. um has that been a, that story been kind of a signpost kind of like an altar a thing to look back on and remember in times where you felt yeah absence yeah uh yeah i mean really it's a, a signpost of having faith mm-hmm that in the midst of our mess, you know, because you've got 26 college kids running around. It's yeah. messy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny. It's fun. And God was showing up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think, in a sense, showing out. Yeah. Mm. Uh, when we had that last baptism. It's kind of... Uh, a testament to kind of the the ignorance and the na the naivete is that the right? No, you did it. Good job. Of of asking God to do impossible things, mm -hmm. like you know, after you know you have done ministry for a long time. Dave and I have been working in churches for a long time, and we have probably a viewpoint at 
where we go, where we're like, how you felt, be like, hey, tell them that down a little bit. Seven yeah, baptisms yeah. in a week, are you serious? From from just knocking on people's doors, let's... Yeah, I really wish you hadn't prayed that. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah, it's a silly thing to say. We interrupt this prayer <laughs> to say... <laughs> you don't have to do that. That's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the... Yeah, the the boldness, I guess, to mm-hmm. say. Oh yeah, yeah. the The boldness, the courage, yeah. the guts, all those different words. Yeah. To step out and say, God, we need you to do this. And that takes a, you know. And I have, you know, over the years prayed for so many things where you're saying, please God, please God. Yeah. And, you know. There's always an answer, but a lot of times the answer is not right in the affirmative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, uh, but I think that particular incident made me, for the rest since that point, have more faith in that uh, you have to ask. Yeah, you have to ask, mm. uh, and God will respond. Not mm. always yeah. exactly how you want him to, mm-hmm. him, her, to, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because I also know that God is not a male, thank goodness, yeah. at points, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and he is much more open to us and heart talk. Mm-hmm. It's changed my life yeah. forever. Yeah, it sounds like one thing I'm hearing you saying is uh, you're you're kind of at peace with sometimes God answers prayers, sometimes God doesn't. Uh, sounds like one thing you learn is God's always listening. Yeah, and that's uh, yeah. absolutely that's something. And that he that he hears us. Yeah, you know, yeah, he hears us now. How does he do that? He does that because he's God. Right. We're not. Mm-hmm. And so we have a hard time hearing our wife sometimes at <laughs> supper because we're somewhere else. Mm. That that uh, has happened to me before. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm a very attentive husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I won't talk to your wife about that. Uh, but I do think just the whole unbelievable thought that God hears yeah. our thoughts, you know, because many times our prayers are not out loud. Right. And so that's something that you can, I think, depend on and build a life on. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thank you. Welcome. I think you've got a, got a list here. It looks like you've well, got a I've couple got, more. I got it. Can we be greedy? Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll, well, I would love to maybe say a couple of others. Yeah. While I was back in school days, I read some books. No, it wasn't really in school. It was right after school. My first ministry position is in Porterville, California. And I read two books that changed everything about what I thought we should be about. Mm. 
and one was a pretty famous and infamous book by Ron Sider called Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger. Hmm. And uh, it was mind-blowing mm-hmm. to me mm-hmm. at that point in time. And then the second one was a book by a guy named Jim Wallace, who is a Sojourner's the guy who started Sojourners, uh, and it was the uh, call to conversion. Mm-hmm. And he talked about conversion in the sense of becoming someone who sees Jesus right, as he is manifest. More than an intellectual in, change of mind. No, right. Yeah. Absolutely not. Right. It's a change of life. Right. Lifestyle, the things you care about. Right. That you begin to see Jesus as he is manifested in the the hungry, the thirsty, the naked, the stranger, the yeah. poor, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, he said, that's conversion. Yeah. And so those two books really changed my life. Uh, and then the other big thing that happened is I was at a church, not to be named, where I didn't fit in. Okay. You know, I was on staff. Our girls loved it. <laughs> Becky was was teaching. Uh, we had a great group of friends, <clears throat> but the uh, the church leadership didn't know what to do with me because they were they were afraid. Okay. You know, yeah. they wanted they at one point they said we just want to be a middle of the road church. Yeah. Neither hot nor cold. (laughs) (laughs) And I responded to that by saying, well, when I think of Mill the Road, I think of armadillos who are dead by the side of the road. Mm. And they didn't like that. (laughs) I don't think I, you know, made any points when I said that. But I, I was, in essence, I was saying, we've got to decide who we want to offend. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, and I would rather offend... Christians than non Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's the people that don't know Jesus who need to come to know yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And so uh, after a while, I, for two years, for the last two years I was there, I prayed every day for God to put me where He wanted mm-hmm. me to be. And if it's here, okay. Yeah. Well, after two years, uh, finally, the church leadership came through for me and fired me. Uh, and so, were they like you were like not as upset about it as they thought you should be, or? Well, you know, yeah, it was. Yeah. You're fist pumping, and they're like, "What's going on?" <laughs> Score. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so, and that was pretty traumatic. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sure. because we had two beautiful little girls who were at that point in second grade, third grade, and about to be in kindergarten. That's hard. Uh, And so it was bad timing, but it also was very freeing. Yeah. And so right after that, I was going to a conference in uh, Fort Worth, a Christian education conference. And I walked in the door, and I saw a friend that I had gone, grew, grew up with here in Abilene. 
And she said, Terry, I'd like to talk to you at some point. I said, okay. And so uh, she started telling me this story about how she and her husband and three or four other couples had decided they were going to try to start a church. And they were uh, actually working with Lynn Anderson. Mm. And so Lynn was kind of coaching them through this. And, and he had told them, hey, if you want to start a church because you're mad, yeah. I have no interest in helping you. But if you want to start a church because you want to reach people for Jesus, uh, I'm in. And so he had been talking to them for probably about a year at that point, and they had decided it was time for them to, you know, hire a staff person. Yeah. Whoever that was. At that point in time, Lynn had thought he was going to be able to come and preach for them for like six months. Uh-huh. And so, uh, so I met with those families while I was there, and on April 1st, April Fool's Day, which is quite appropriate, they called and said, hey, we'd love for you to come. Yeah. And so, uh, so we moved to Arlington and spent the next 16 years in Arlington with those people. Yeah. Uh, and it was full of... God sightings hmm. and uh, my favorite one I'm going on and on here sorry it's okay about that. please but my favorite one is Becky had a worked had a TA her name was Estelle she was she was raised in New York City the Jewish family not real devout Jewish family but her dad did play in the band the synagogue band and uh so she was kind of raised as a nominal Jew and had married this guy who was a truck driver. His name's Robert. And so one day at school, she had said to Becky, well, Becky, are you ever going to tell me about this Jesus guy? Hmm. Or this, and can I come to your church? Wow. And so Estelle started coming. And uh, and she said, man, I, I would really love for Robert to come. Mm-hmm. And she said, well, anytime. And we were meeting at elementary school. It wasn't very formal at all. Yeah. It was very laid back. And so I was preaching through uh, the Gospel of Luke. And uh, so it was, we were in Luke 15 and talking about the prodigal son on the Sunday that Robert showed up. I had no idea yeah. when or if Robert would ever show up. So Robert shows up. He's a huge guy. He's probably about 6'4", probably well into the, probably 280, with hands that are like briefcase <laughs> cases. And so I met him as they came in, and then we just had, had service like usual. We ended after the sermon. We sang the song, uh, When God Ran. Hmm. which is an old Benny Hester song, which hmm. is a great song okay. about the prodigal son. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was, and so afterwards I was out in the hallway of the school meeting people as they were leaving, and uh, Robert came up and stuck out his big old huge hand yeah. and grabbed my hand, and he said, y'all did that for me, didn't you? Hmm. 
y'all sang that song for me, didn't you? Mm -hmm. And uh, so in the next few weeks, Estelle was baptized. Mm. Robert was baptized. Our daughter was baptized. And for the rest of his life, which was not long enough, uh, he was there every time wow. the doors was open. He was sitting on the on the second row. Sometimes he would raise his hands, mm -hmm. and he was just so glad to be somewhere hmm. where there was love. Yeah. And uh, he had a massive stroke and uh, passed away a couple of years later yeah and uh and i got to do his uh his sending off party yeah and uh we at some point in there i'd use the uh, there's an old sermon illustration about the lady who uh talks about how she loves when she's at dinner at someone's house and they and they're picking up the dishes after you've eaten the dinner. I say, oh, but keep your fork. Yeah. Keep your fork. Yeah. You yeah. know, this is, a, this is a classic illustration. Yeah. And uh, because the best is yet to come. Yeah. Which is dessert. And so I'd used that illustration at some point, and Robert just loved it so much. And he had said, okay, when I die, I want you to put that, my fork in my pocket. <laughs> Golly. And I had I had used that on on Easter, and I had given away plastic forks, and I had said, "Yeah, keep your fork, or mm -hmm. the best is yet to come." I don't remember what yeah. I actually wrote on the forks. Yeah. And so, as he was buried, he had that plastic fork in his uh, pocket, hmm. and that was a God moment. Yeah. I mean, all of every every time being around Robert were tremendous God moments. Yeah. And that's one that I can live on mm -hmm. for the rest of my life easily. How, how do you sense even now that that story sustains you? Because when I meet messy people, yeah. I have I always have great hope. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I love messy people. Yeah. Uh, and God loves messy people. Yeah. Yeah. You specifically in your, in your job work, you, you work with people who, uh, are working towards rehabilitation, working towards, uh, yeah. Getting a, getting a real job. Yeah. Having a career right. rather than another crappy job. Right. Right. And, uh, full, full restoration and. All of us have been in church enough, especially a church that's in the neighborhood that Highland's in, where you, sometimes you meet people that come to the building and you think, is it worth it? Is it really worth the hours I know I'm going to have to spend if I decide to go say hello? And uh, I'll be honest and say that sometimes the sinful thought crosses my head, it's not worth it. Don't don't go say hello because uh, it's a, it's going to be a pit you fall in. To try to, to try to really help. And so I know if I let my heart get attached, uh, there's consequences. Right. right. And if there's no hope, then that's a problem. Mm -hmm. But you're, 
you're thinking about Robert now when you're working with people and you're thinking even, you know, there, there's always hope. Yeah, absolutely. So it's okay to go learn their name. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's okay to hug them. Yeah. It's okay to welcome them and say, you're welcome here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Matter of fact, it's incredibly important that we be a place that the doors are open. Right. Yeah. That there are not, there's not, you know, there's not someone at the door. Right. You know, making sure that you're okay. Right. You know, but the doors are open. There's no bouncers. Yeah. There are no bouncers that... The you know we we really shouldn't have doors hmm. on our churches <laughs> yeah. you know and you know obviously in a physical sense we do but there's but the doors should always be open yeah yeah right. that's two people in a row now who kind of the heart of the, of each story is yeah. this is where I found God in an in interaction with somebody who was messy. And uh, and the same thing we said to Dave Lynn, like it's so easy for us to insulate ourselves from the brokenness of the world, mm-hmm. from the hurt of the city around us and the hurt of the world, and we miss what God is doing when we when we stay inside our comfortable homes, yeah. and. Uh, and it's hard because the home, our homes are comfortable. <laughs> and we're comfortable there. Yeah, yeah, but then we miss the, the joy and the uh, kind of the reassurance of the presence of God. And we start to feel alone. Yeah. And in, in a comfortable space. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I love that story, too, because it started with Becky uh, just being Becky at school. Right, yeah. like it. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it actually oh, yeah. didn't start at your church. No. Right. No. It started because she was no. taking. Oh yeah. Church to work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. and that's who she is. Yeah. You know, and she is. Uh, you know, I tell people she's my better seven eights. Mm. You know, she's way beyond half. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, she's probably a more gifted shepherd. Yeah. than I'll ever be because it's her nature, it's her heart. Uh, but she's, she also is really good with messy people. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and I think Jesus came for messy people. For yep. sure. And, you know, Matthew 25 is the passage that mm. absolutely kicked my butt. Mm. Remind us. I was hungry, yeah. thirsty, a stranger, and yeah. you did or you didn't. You welcomed me. Yeah. Welcomed me. Yeah. And, you know, that is the, that's when Jesus talks about the judgment. Yeah. That's the only thing yeah. he says about it. He doesn't say, you crossed all the T's correctly, right. you dotted all your I's. He said, you did or you didn't see me. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, with that in mind the church is a place for the hungry the thirsty the stranger the naked yeah and um the blessing that jesus is talking about is 
not just for the person getting the cup of cold water. It is also for the person giving it. Absolutely. And so uh, a big, I wasn't planning on saying this, but a big paradigm shift for me has been um, because I'm saved, I do this for other people. That's what I used to think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's, uh, I want to keep experiencing my salvation. And it's, and it's in those people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it belongs in in the interaction in those people. Right. I am saved. I experience salvation when I go see Jesus in them. Yes, yeah, yeah. And so, like most things in my life, I make it about me. And uh, <laughs> 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 but but seriously, I do think it's important that um, that I'm not the savior. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm experiencing salvation, but I'm not the savior. Mm-hmm. Hey, yeah, that's you know that is not a part of our job description that is way way above our pay grade right you know we're we're just greeters right yeah we have the door welcoming people yeah welcoming people yeah whether it's into a church building or whether it's you know into the car to give them a ride yeah or into your home or just into your life for a brief that's going to be one of my new favorite metaphors, Terry, of what the church is supposed to do. The church is the people that hold the door open. That's right. Yeah. And the church is the people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, do you want to make it a holy trinity? You got a, You have a third story? <laughs> <laughs> oh. You don't have to. We, that, I think we're... Well, the other great experience I had, again, this was in Arlington on 9-11. Oh, man. infamous 9-11 we were having a pastor's gathering that day and so instead of doing the normal thing we had tvs and everybody was just sitting there going yeah just what's happening yeah and um one of the things that we were going to talk about that day is that we thought it was important for us as pastors in the city to get together with a smaller group of pastors and spend time together regularly to support, pray for each other so that we could, as a group, hopefully help the kingdom to come in Arlington as in heaven. And so uh, that day we didn't really get to the agenda, but we still called some people. And starting that following week, for the next 14 years, I met with four other guys every week Hmm. to talk about the kingdom, Hmm. to talk about what was going on in our churches, to support each other, to love each other, and think about how can we help the kingdom come in Arlington. Hmm. as it is in heaven and uh those are those were wonderful great years yeah hmm. of uh of struggling together to try to do what we knew needed to be done in order to throw the doors open yeah of all of our churches wow. And, uh, and they were from different, they weren't like me. You know, I was at, at that point at a church called Christ Community Church. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but they were, you know, there was a, one of them was a charismatic Lutheran, which is almost an oxymoron. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and another one was from a big Bible church. And another one was worked with youth ministers in the mm-hmm. area. And it was just a profoundly wonderful 14 years yeah. of eating our way across Arlington. <laughs> you know, we'd, we'd meet, we'd pray, we'd go eat. Yeah. And, it was, and it was wonderful. And I would say that anybody who's in ministry should find those people. Yeah. One thing that's striking me right now about all three of your stories is uh, God is meeting you often in tragedy. God is meeting you in, in some ways, pretty mundane things. I mean, someone came to your church, you know, uh, you had a bunch of lunches, uh, you knocked on some doors, you know, um, but, uh, you are sensing different time and different space in those moments. Oh yeah. Uh, The thin space as the, the Celts would say, uh, it's almost impossible to describe that, but like, how would you describe that? Uh, something's different in this moment. Right. Well, as, uh, I really, I really do often get chills. Yeah. And that's, and it's in those thin sp- spaces. Yeah. When the chills come. Yeah. When I know that this is this is a holy moment. Yeah. It's not just another moment. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of been a recurring motif, yeah. if you will. Yeah. Uh, but then I also, if I'm not, uh, when it's not about me, it's possible for it to happen. That was going to be another thing I'm That's, noticing is you're in all three instances, you're putting yourself out there yeah. and you're, you're, uh, open to, which is not to say that I don't believe God can't break through our stubbornness, but, uh, so far, we haven't heard anyone tell us a God story of like, well, I was vegging out and uh, taking some me time. <laughs> uh, now, I, mean, I don't mean to like, ra- like, Sabbath is important too, right? right Rest right. is, oh, re- Sabbath is a command. Um, but I actually mean, you know, what I tend to default to is how can I go spend some time that's going to make me feel good? Um, and I, I very rarely experience God in those spaces, but all three of your stories, you're saying... How can I run to God? How can I be available to what God's doing? Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence. Yeah. Well, I uh, I just follow my wife around. Yeah. You know, I mean, at first I, it really bothered her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 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 I, well, I married way over my head, as did y'all, uh-huh. uh, and uh, and she is very attuned to people. Yes, she is. She has great people skills. Yeah. She loves people yeah. well. Yeah. And so, you know, even still, you know, the best times that we have are when we're hanging out with college kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, or or whoever yeah. we're hanging out with. Um, because it's an opportunity Yeah. to be in the midst of holy yes. moments. Yeah. Yeah. 
right. You're in charge of landing the plane, man. Yeah, let's see. <laughs> I, I want to say that this, this uh, church has been blessed for a long time to have great leadership. Yes. And to have leadership that um, kind of understands, I mean, selfishly for us as ministers and as employees, uh, we have a lot of people in leadership who have been in uh, ministry positions, some for a long time, some for shorter periods of time. But Three of them have been youth ministers at Holland. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I remember being, the first time we came to a, a training for huddles, David was sitting next to me and goes, goes, how many, how many uh, youth group meetings in America do you think they can look around and count like five of their volunteers our former youth ministers. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, yeah. and we've been blessed with that for a long time. And I'm, uh, I just would say how grateful we are that you've agreed to, to uh, partner with our leaders and be yeah. one of our leaders. Um, and uh, and your voice is uh, is going to be very important going forward. Yeah. We're grateful that that you're in the room. Yeah, you know, and it's an honor. It is an honor to be recognized as someone who is trying to shepherd people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's good because it doesn't pay anything. So That's right. That's right. <laughs> and I, I love listening to you talk about, uh, like, there we have leaders who are really good at, at, uh, at pragmatic and operational things and figuring out, and then we need people who can say, but we need to make sure we're welcoming every person and keeping that a priority. And, uh, and it sounds like that's a passion of yours. Well, and um, one quick little story. When I first became youth minister here in the, back in the previous century in the 80s, mm-hmm. um, David Ray, Lynn Anderson was the preacher, but of course Lynn, if he didn't have his administrative assistant, it was... He wouldn't, you never knew what would happen. Uh, So he was not, you know, kind of the administrative type. So David was really the one who Mm -hmm. coordinated, ran everything that was going on. And uh, we went to the elder meetings every week. They met every week at that point. Uh, But early on, David said to me, Listen, Terry, at some point, someone's going to say something in an elder meeting, and you're going to go, what in the name of all that's holy are you talking about? Yeah. And so do not respond. Don't say anything. And the wisdom in the room will bring it out at the right place. And... That was the best advice mm-hmm. I ever got. And in all the churches that I ever worked at, that was true at Highland. Yeah. It wasn't true in <laughs> Everywhere some other else, places. Because yeah. no one was, ever made crazy statements in other places? Or? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, because it was fear. Yeah. It was fear in the room yeah. rather than faith yeah. and wisdom. And uh, Holland has been blessed with tremendously great leaders over the years. Yes, they have. 
for sure. Yes, they have. And we continue to do, be so. Yeah. Thank you, Terry. Thank Thanks, you Terry. for telling us stories, and thank you for being part of our church and part of our leadership. You bet. I appreciate it. My pleasure.